Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And today I wanted to get a little bit real in some sense about what it's like to try to figure out God's plans. I think a lot of times one of the big deals that we have, especially men, is that we want to have a set plan of what we wanted to do. Now, I know I probably shared some of this stuff already, but this is kind of the correlation of these past 10 years. And when I was younger, my goal was to get into the NFL. Um, I wanted to eventually then coach football. And well, let's just say that path never happened. I went to a Baptist high school and there I got to play the football that I wanted to play. <clears throat> and then I had to figure out what I want to do for college. And I wasn't a big fan of school. I didn't really care for her that much. I wasn't a troublemaker. I didn't do anything that would uh, take me in a different path or anything like that. But I just did not enjoy school. Uh, I don't know if it was just because I didn't feel confident in myself or I didn't seem to do as well as I thought I could. I, I, I really don't know how my mindset was back then. But the one thing was I decided to try a Baptist college uh, because the school I was at, there was technically only three colleges that they truly encouraged you to do. So I didn't really get a lot of options of the different Christian schools that were out there or even the schools I wanted to do. So I had to focus on what I wanted to do based on what I had a desire for. So I looked into more of like a PE teacher and coach as the opportunity to do what I wanted to do. Fortunately, the opportunity I had was that um, coaching was definitely the number one thing I really wanted to do. So I went to a school in Wisconsin and there I started doing PE classes. Well, technically you do freshman classes first. So it was a lot of just backhanded education like math and science and stuff like that. But eventually I got to do at least one PE type class and I discovered real quickly I did not like it as much as I thought I would. Um, and I kind of just didn't know what to do after that point. But also during that year was the year that God took me to this church in Madison, Wisconsin. It was, you know, Madison is the capital of Wisconsin. And we started going to this church as, you know, some kids from the school. And I remember one day sitting in service and the pastor was talking about his testimony and how he was in the Navy and how he, uh, you know, thought he was going to be in it forever. And eventually at one point he felt God calling him to be a pastor. And he's like, well, Lord, no, I was in the Navy. Why would I be a pastor? And I remember him sharing his testimony, but at the end of kind of the whole main, just little thing, he asked the question because in, in if you've been in a Baptist school or even a church and school, a lot of times they tell you what you could go for. And a lot of times it was like a doctor, nurse, a pastor, missionary, evangel evangelical, like preacher that travels around an evangelist and anything kind of closer to those type of areas. But they never, they never really made you or got you to think about what did God wants you really to do. And I remember him asking the question because I know a lot of times you've heard about joining some type of ministry and he goes, but my question for you is, have you ever asked God about joining any type of ministry? And that was kind of the first time I actually heard something like that because usually it was not really, have you asked? It was more like, this is what we expect. And, you know, I did not want to be a pastor at all. I was already, you know, determined, but I remember that day um, I stopped and I actually asked God, I was like, I, like, you know how scared I am. You know, I don't want to go be a missionary in Africa and, you know, blah, blah. and I went through the whole thing. What most people actually, uh, excuse me, what most people say. And I remember God speaking and saying, I want you to get into ministry. And I was just kind of disappointed because I was like, you know, I don't want to do it. But, you know, I, I pretty much said yes. And, I had made plans that I was going to try to at least get my youth ministry at that school, but the doors didn't open that direction. I ended up coming back to 
with my parents and I went to a, a community college and technically what I wanted to do was culinary, but culinary schools are really expensive and so I ended up doing drafting. Um, a degree was called architectural drafting basically and I did designs and I learned how to draw on the computer for uh, housing and then I even took some classes for landscaping. And then soon I was done and I got a job at my first job, full, like a first full-time job, because at that time I was working for Sears. Uh, I did loss prevention, so I, I caught bad guys. But um, I just remember I my first job was working for this company that was just north of where I, where I lived and I loved it. It was fun and I was really good at it. Um, a lot of the people that sold houses loved having me work on it. But the pay was bad and there was no chance of it going up. In fact, I remember when I told the, the big honcho manager, the general manager, you know, I said, like, there's, there's no chance for anybody in the drafting department to get like raises at some point. And he's like, what for? And I was like, well, you know, I want to have a family at some point and I want to be able to you know, own my own house and stuff like that. And there's no way at getting paid that I'm getting paid, I'd be able to. And he just kind of left. Well, right now, you're not married, so you don't have to worry about it. And that really made me start thinking. And I end up going on this journey for the next three three years after that of working from one company to working for another company. Well, technically, I was there for almost two years, so the next two years. And it came down to it where I was sitting at my my last job I basically had with drafting. I was doing electrical drafting. And I remember sitting, because it was during 2008 when things were kind of going down. And work was starting to get more scarce, I noticed. And I, I, I did whatever I needed to do, and I could do everything so quickly because I understood it. And so it was, I was getting kind of bored. So I just kind of sat there staring at the screen, and I asked the Lord. I was like, is this it? Is this all I'm going to do the rest of my life? Because I've talked to other drafters that have been doing it for like last 15 years or 10 years, and... You know, their their life was surrounding on, on whether there was work going on in their area. So in other words, they get laid off a lot. And I didn't want to be in a job where I was the high chance of being laid off all the time. But I didn't know what to do. And so I just asked God, I was like, this is all you have for me. And I remember him speaking to me and saying, no, there isn't. But do you trust me? And I'm going to get into more of what a lot of these pieces kind of came from. So, do you trust me? And I said, well, yes, I do. And he goes, then I want you to quit and go back to school. And I said, well, you know, I can't quit. I need, I need this job. And he goes, do you trust me? And I said, yes. And then he goes, then quit this job and go back to school. So I ended up quitting, but it was really neat because the manager I had was really caring about me. Um, he felt that this is not where I was supposed to be, that I was supposed to be doing something else. And two, he ended up asking the, the owner if they could just let me go that day with two weeks of pay. And, and that ended up happening. So the next like month, it was me just trying to figure out where I was going to stay. And I went to, decided to go to Regent University. And at first, I was going to do psychology because I was, once again, trying to compromise. You know, that's a big thing, you know, trying to compromise so that you are spending time uh sort of doing ministry but you know i wanted a, a good decent job and that still wasn't what god wanted just to let you know and after the first semester i had taken all these like i think it was like five psychology classes or four psychology classes and then i end up um coming to this point because i saw what they were teaching us and what they wanted us to accept without question was Darwinism mindset theory. And it was the theory of memory based off of Darwin, not based off of truth, not based off of behavior, but Darwin. And I was kind of confused. And so I emailed my professor and I said, how is it as a Christian, are we, are we, how are we able to, to accept these theories when we're taught that Darwin and Darwinism is not 
something we were supposed to accept. And instead of this professor being, you know, understanding and really teaching me, he decided to get mad at me, telling me who are who am I to tell tell him about his beliefs and his Christianity and questioning whether he's a Christian or not. And I was just like, that was not my question. My question was, is how are we, how are we supposed to be able to, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to understand their point. And it came down to that was the point when God said, you know, are you, are you ready to listen yet? You know? And I was just kind of, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't get what's going on. So he, so he goes, well, look at the degrees um, and listen to me. And there, there was Christian ministry. And I said, okay, I'm like, I guess we're going to go into full time. What you have for me? And he's basically saying, yep. So I ended up going into ministry and that's how I got to that point. Well, all through that point beforehand, I did fall in love with ministry. Cause I remember telling you guys this before. And before I went back to school, I was helping as a youth leader or a youth group here in my hometown. And I loved it. But I still was determined because the fear that I had was if I get into ministry, it means I'm going to be poor, means that I'm going to be stuck, it means that I won't be able to do hardly anything else because I will have to count on everybody to pay for me and take care of me and stuff like that. And I think God used this as a time of humility. But God also took this time to teach a lot of teaching. So one of the first verses when I was in college, my first year, was in Proverbs. And during that time, I had a lot of training, you know, from my Baptist high school time and the school I was in. And a lot of you guys probably already know these verses or have memorized it. Um, I memorized it with King James Version, but I'm going to read it with NLT right now. But it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And a lot of times we kind of don't read 7 and 8, but it kind of goes together. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil, and you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Verse 9 and 10 kind of actually go with it too. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your, your vats with overflow with good wine. So a lot of times, you know, we use these verses five and six a lot. I mean, I've heard people use it a lot and it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, the idea of trust is that you're putting it all in. It's like an investment. You're throwing all of your money in because you believe what you're trusting is going to happen. That's what, you know, I had to understand is like my trust in God meant that I couldn't live by my fear. My fear was if I get into full-time ministry, I'll be poor, period. And I just want to give you FYI right now. Yes, I have been very poor for the past 10 years and it hasn't been that great. And it hasn't been, you know, where I've been able to really live on my own per se. And I'll get into that a little bit more. But the second part is... Do not depend on your own understanding. And I think that's the key thing. A lot of times when we depend on our understanding, we create our own life and our story. And as men, this is big. We want to plan out our life. We want to have everything situated and, and put out correctly and be prepared. Like, you know, I had a plan where, you know, I was just going to get some simple job like drafting. I was just going to go find a place, you know, on my own. I was going to meet my future wife at some point. We were going to get married, you know, and I was going to be probably around 25 years old. And then probably time time we're 28, we'll have kids. And then by the time we're 30, um, we start looking for a house that we really want. You know, I had this whole planned out in a sense of, because I wanted to be the best man I could possibly be. Because one of the things I was learning during this time was I wanted to be a godly husband and man. And so I was preparing myself. And it's really interesting because in a series Stepping Up by Dennis Rainey and Family Life, one of the lessons they do teach is preparation or having the plan set out. And it's very interesting because I had a plan. 
I, I was prepared and I was looking for what I was wanting to do. But guess what? God has his plan. And I think that's the key thing. Do, do not depend on your own understanding. We depend on what we think is correct or what we need, what we want in our situation. He said in verse six, it says, seek his will in all you do. And I think that's the problem. We, we want to trust him and we don't want to depend on our understanding, but we struggle to seek his will. As men, you know, we're taught you need money, you need to have your house, you need to have the best car, you need to have the best of everything for your wife and your kids. The question you got to ask yourself is how come not every man is able to do that? And you can't say, well, maybe because they're bad men, maybe they weren't ambitious. No, because sometimes good men aren't able to get everything. They're unable to get the job that can pay the most. That's the American dream or the the world's view of how to be a man is that you should get a job that pays super well and get everything that you need when that's not how it's supposed to be. The next part in six says, and he will show you which path to take. And I think that's the scary part about these verses. We trust, but we trust in a way that we are fearful of what the path he's going to put us on. So in my case, to be a pastor. Um, the point was that I didn't, I was fearful of the idea of becoming a pastor. And he wanted me to understand, if you trust me, then you take the path I'm going to give you. And then the other thing that people um, struggle with, especially some men, is the idea of being so wise or understanding instead of fearing the Lord and turning away from evil or um, just counting or fearing the Lord period we end up focusing on our wisdom or what we've learned as our tool of understanding and clarity of what we want to live for and so we focus on those deeds and instead of finding what God wants, we chase after our dreams. Instead of chasing God's dreams, we chase after our personal dreams. And at the end, what happens usually is that they end up not gaining what they were hoping out of everything. It's an empty direction. So by this time, um, I also met my wife through this. And then I decided to go to school for one year at Regent. And I ended up coming back. Um, and cause you could do everything online with Regent. So, and I was having a better time doing online service, uh, classes, excuse me. And I ended up, you know, coming back to my hometown eventually. And there I helped out this, uh, young adult ministry that was on Fridays and it was awesome. And I really enjoyed it. The problem was that the former youth pastor and leaders, had done things while I was gone and I did not know that caused a strife between them and the church and unfortunately the church put me underneath all that and I had no clue so they didn't really side with us you know the young adult ministry because I'm, I'm assuming because of me but I learned from that and I moved forward and even though we, we got married in 2011. I still thought I had a plan. I thought, okay, well, now I'm trusting in God. I'm seeing the path he has for me. So things should work out, right? You know, so I had this plan that I was going to get, you know, a youth pastor job just like all the other youth pastors would get. And I was going to do it for four or five, maybe six years. And if, you know, if I could, maybe longer. Because <clears throat> I actually wouldn't mind have been a youth pastor longer. But then, you know, I got married and no churches were hiring. So I ended up going back to Sears. I lost prevention for a year and about three months, no, five months. And through that time, no churches were hiring me. And so after that, the, the, the store closed. And for the next few months, I just could not find any type of work. Um, I could still could not get into any church. And nothing was happening. <clears throat> and then I you know my wife had, I think, her third year being married. 
had serious surgery, um, and then probably eight, oh, maybe six months after that, had an even more serious surgery. So you can imagine being, you know, married, things just not working out and not understanding. And that's the part that always stuck to me is in verse five, do not depend on your own understanding. And I had to put that verse through my head over and over and over again to understand that trusting in him with your all with your whole heart means you have to depend on him no matter what, even with not understanding. There's been songs that God would provide. There's been these sermons and stuff that God just did that were just amazing for the timing that they were. And I even remember it was even a quote that was from a book that, you know, I always enjoyed. And it's always stuck to me, this quote, and it's something I want to share with you guys, is often God does things in our life that may not fit our grid of normal. But normal to God isn't a set formula. It's obedience no matter what the cost and total dependence upon him for the outcome. And a lot of times, the outcome is not what we expect. And I think that's the one thing that frustrated me. As much as I knew I was prepared and ready to go into ministry, it just seemed like the doors would just never open. And then I remember uh, meeting with my senior pastor for about a year or so. We would meet every week and we would just pray and talk. And I would ask him, I go, I don't understand why I'm not able to get any of these jobs. And he goes, I don't understand either. He goes, you helped in youth groups. You um, were brought up in you know Christian, good Christian family. You went to school. And it's just amazing to me how, you know, God has not given you anything out of this. He goes, I don't understand. And I can't give you an answer. He goes, all I can tell you is I know you're called. But you just got to trust in him. And that's all you can count on right now. That really frustrated me because I was just like, no, there has to be a reason. And a lot of times the reason was because it wasn't God's plan yet. And so I went from part-time to part-time. And in those in those opportunities, I always remember to put my opportunities in there to be an encouragement and a blessing to others and to be, you know, ministering to people. Because even after when Sears, Sears was closing people were starting to freak out because, you know, they're losing their jobs. And so I went into what I called was pastor mode and I prayed over people. I helped people. I, I looked over people's resumes and, um, we set up, you know, opportunity just to talk and let them express their feelings. I, people cried. Um, you know, it was really hard for them, but the one thing that was hard for me was that nothing was happening for me. Then, it, uh, I ended up getting pretty down on myself and feeling that maybe I made a mistake, maybe I wasn't listening right. And to a point where I remember just feeling really rock bottom with not understanding what was going on. <clears throat> so my wife and I decided to start looking for a church to connect because my senior pastor at the church I was at, um, he stepped from the position and moved to another state, you know, technically to another state in another job. And I remember saying, you know, hey, I know there's Christian uh, churches out here that we could probably look into that are Asian-based or Chinese-based. And I said, you know, maybe they need help because I know that, you know, a lot of times when a church is uh, very focused on one type of race of people, a lot of times there's not a lot of people in the churches and sometimes they need help with youth ministry. So I ended up finding this one church, even though the whole website was in Mandarin, um, this church turned out to be a blessing in disguise for the next two years. And the youth pastor and I became close friends. Um, he, you know, he's a best friend to me. Um, and, you know, I the opportunity and the doors that opened through this, through what he helped me to get to do was use what I've always had. And it gave me an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to preach. Um, it was really neat. And I thought this is it. You know, the opportunity was going to come through this and we're going to end up being able to have a decent job, you know, somehow. And he wanted to get me a part-time part job working with him. 
and things were going in that direction. And then as I was still searching for jobs, you know, I've had interviews before. I actually had two interviews where we went out to Washington. One was the, one of the worst interviews I've ever had. Um, opportunity, I should say. And the people that were over the leadership for choosing did a very poor job with us. And the second one was a church that we liked the people. But there was a lot of red flags that we saw. Like almost a very hard opportunity would have been what it would turn into because there's a lot of mutinous type mindset coming from the members against the senior pastor and I did not want to get thrown into that so eventually we ended up moving to Connecticut and I've shared that story and for for three years and it was good bad sad frustrating and dark so going forward um, the other verse that God gave me through all of this was in Isaiah 55 and it was uh, seven, no, 8 9. It says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And in King James Version, it actually states it this way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I want to take a quick break before I continue on this, so that way um, I can do the second half. And I'll see you in a moment. Hey guys, I know this is taking a bit longer, but it's more of a kind of like a testimony. And we were just talking about Isaiah 55, 8, 9. And what always intrigued me about these verses, especially where it's just located, it's very interesting. Because like in verse 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that they that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God. For he will forgive generously. For my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And and that stood out to me because a lot of times we pre-think what we want. Remember we were talking about the whole plan. And so we have this whole plan that we have set out as men. And we focus on those plans trying to reach those goals and trying to get to those points. But the truth is... When we ask him, when we trust in him, when we're seeking out his will for our lives, his desires for us, we have to understand that we can never think like he thinks. We can try and we do make the attempt. But a lot of times what happens is that we never actually make it on our goals unless it's our dreams and our wants and so we can chase after and we can gain them but they turn out to be more empty than than you would can ever imagine so instead of finding almost like a deliverance from ourselves we end up focusing on ourselves more and then you there is actually another verse i want to find it's in psalms while we're still talking but in the psalm there was a section where it talks about our desires you know that god will give us our desires and yeah here we go so psalms 37 so let's see i believe or maybe i'm wrong no this is correct so okay so psalms 37 starting in verse 3 in the beginning, though, it does talk about fret not thyself because of evil doers. Because a lot of times, um, one of the things that we focus on is we focus on people who seem to be bad examples in life, seem to succeed. But at the end, everything that they do will be cut and it'll be worthless. But it says in verse 3 Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. 
and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the, give thee the desires of your heart, of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. There's, you know, some of the other verses also were really helpful, but I wanted to focus on these, and I'm going to also kind of read it from NLT, because... There it is. You know, some people struggle with KJV, but, you know, it's actually really good. So, it says in NLT, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you desire, give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiant like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. So here's the thing. One of the things that stands out to most people is in verse four, and he will give you your your heart's desires. Now we got to understand something here. One of the main issues about our heart is it's desperately wicked. Our heart's desires are not positive for the most part. They're selfish in a lot of ways. Even if they are meant for good, a lot of times it's in it for a selfish desire to make me feel better or to feel important or feel special. That's usually the mindset. We may not admit it and we'll say, no, 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 it's not. I do, I do good things and I want to do good things. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the capability of being able to do things and acts of good or do right things because the Holy Spirit dictates it and we do it. We do it in obedience. But I want to clarify. It says there's things you have to do before your heart's desire can even be presented. One, trust in the Lord and do good. That means we got to trust in the Lord 100%, just like in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, remember? And do good. Now, doing good means that we have to obey his word. And as men, we got to understand that. we got to obey his word and do good. Be upright, be righteous, be godly. Then you will live safely in the land and prosperous. There, what you'll see is that as you live throughout your life, you'll see the good things that come out of it. Because, you know, sometimes what we see is when you do the right thing, what happens? Bad things happen. But also, good things happen from the bad things. So it's, it's always possible. And prosperity. Now, prosperity doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be rich. And a lot of times, this is what people like Joel Osteen love to do. They want to say, well, if you have enough faith, you know, God will give you money. He'll give you everything you need and it'll be, you'll be rich. And that's not necessarily what prosperity means. Prosperity just means that you will do well. You will live a life, whether you're poor, rich, whether you are <clears throat> struggling or not struggling, you will prosper through it. Okay. I want you to think about that. Then verse four says, take delight in the Lord. Now having delight means that it's a daily desire for the Lord. Okay? Daily desire for the Lord. Chasing after him. Studying God's word. Praying. Everything is focused on the Lord. Okay? All three of those sections is all about the Lord. Okay? And he will give you your heart's desires. Now, here's the key thing. If you're trusting him 100%, you're obeying his word and doing good. You're living the life that he is asking to live. And then you're delighting in him on a daily basis. Whose desires do you really think you have? Is it really yours? See, the way I've always looked at this and, I, and throughout these years is that whatever God, when I focus on God and, and put him as my head and my, my focus, my heart changes. My desires change. You remember, I wanted to be a PE teacher and coach. I wanted to get in the NFL. 
I was going to do psychology so that I didn't have to get into ministry. But when I started putting everything into God's hands and chasing after his desires, my heart changed. I wanted to get into full-time ministry. I wanted to chase after becoming a pastor somehow. And even through that, God still did not open the door for ministry until 2016 with Hartford. But he did open the door for me to minister in other ministries. I did an after-school program, which I basically was a youth pastor. I didn't get a chance to teach biblical stuff, but I did teach principles from biblical stuff. And I did lessons every week. Um, and a lot of times, you know, they, I don't want to do lessons, but that was okay. When I had part-time work, I used those opportunities to serve him in any way I could possible. And it made me fall in love more in the ministry. And even after the three years at the last church I was at, you know, it was mostly bad. Um, still had good parts, still had blessings, families I impacted, people I, I reached out, lives that I was able to be a witness to, opportunities that I would never would have had before, uh, battles that I've had to go through. But all of it came to an understanding that God needed me to go through that to get me a better understanding on certain things. And to grow me. To kind of change my heart's desire for a better understanding of what it means to be a pastor. Better understanding of what it means to minister to people. It's also opened the door through journeys to grow in what I thought church was about. And what I thought being a man of God was about. That's why all that has come to this point and why I started Warrior Within as a podcast and why things are changing right now for me where I get to be a pastor of a church that I get to plant. None of this. I had I had no desire to do podcasts. I did not think I was going to be a pastor of a church plant. In fact, everything that was leading to this was that it was going to be another job somewhere working for some church and waiting for the next next opportunity to be, be able to minister like it just didn't seem like there was no chance of something that he'd been placing in my heart and even my wife's heart about how to minister correctly how to do things the way we think god has been trying to tell us for a long time but we couldn't do it in the areas that we were at a lot of times we forget the important parts like in verse 5 says commit everything you do to the Lord trust him and he will help you and that's something that he has constantly have done for us you know I, I, I created this quote because I've been able to see what he's been able to do but it's God creates the strongest warriors in the deepest well, I should say in the darkest valleys. God creates strongest of warriors in the darkest of valleys. We often ask ourselves, why does God put us through things? Or why does he allow things to happen that just seem so mean or unfair or hard? But just like I, I, I've constantly said, being a warrior, a warrior within that all of you have, I'd rather be a seasoned veteran than a greening soldier who just got out of the academy because I have a better understanding of where my two feet are planted. I'm able to hold a center of gravity for myself where when the enemy starts striking, I have a better chance of holding my shield up and taking those hits and understanding why it's happening. See, men, I want you guys to understand, if anything, throughout this, that these last 10 years for me was really hard. There was loss. There was struggle. There was harshness. There was mistreatment, abuse. There was 
misunderstanding. There was not understanding. And a lot of people go through it. I can say I don't have, you know, what most people have had, you know, the worst situation. You know, I don't, I didn't lose like tons of family members in like five years. I didn't lose my dad or my mom yet. You know, I didn't lose my sister. I didn't, my, my, my wife hasn't lost family members like that to her either. We haven't had those type of losses, but misery for 10 years, that's hard to stand up. And a lot of people struggle with the idea of suicide or giving up on this life. And I have a better understanding of that when it feels like you have no hope when there's no light at the end of the tunnel it's dark and it just feels like nothing you do changes your situation and you wake up every day doing the same thing over and over again because you can't do anything else you don't have the money you don't have the capability you don't have a job you know it's just miserable and misery can really tear up and destroy a person's heart and mind and hope, their goals. You know, even through all this, you know, I had my ups and downs. I've been in the dark bottom. But God always seemed to pull me out at the right time. And he always reminded me, I got you back. So the thing is, you know, we, we go talk about in Psalms, uh, you know, that we walk through the valley of death. A lot of times we keep thinking like death isn't dying or spiritual death, but dark valleys, the darkest of valleys is like death. It's so dark. It doesn't feel like you can get out. But in those verses, God is also saying he will walk with us. He didn't say he's going to pull us out of it. He'll walk with us through it. A lot of times what happens is that in our weakness in our times where we feel like there's no way out God wants us to understand that he's walking with us through it and all we have to do is just it's like what I call the, the fog of war ask him to remove that so you, you can see others that might be battling something similar to this and also that you can see him clearly a lot of times through these 10 years I couldn't see him. I was so frustrated, so under, like angry in some cases. Like I, I had anger. Um, I wanted to see him come and do something to make change so badly that I was angry a lot. It started affecting how I even did ministry with the youth because people who didn't care about them were attacking my character and spending more time trying to destroy me that it was hurting me and in regards was hurting them i've never I, like i could tell you this my last six months i learned a lot about spiritual warfare i learned a lot about demonic intervention i learned a lot of seeing demons just harassing and constantly terrorizing people who want to be godly and walking upright why because they did not want to see that change they did not want to see people be more than what they've already been and he, they were definitely afraid of how i was starting to set a fire underneath people and they were starting to change they didn't want that they wanted to keep it the way it's always been that's how it works that's how the enemy attacks that was a dark valley but god pulled me out it was amazing. The one thing I want you guys to remember, if anything out of these verses, is that trusting in him means you give everything to him. Two, not trying to figure things out. Stop trying to figure things out. That's the hardest thing that we we battle is we want to figure things out as men stop trying to figure it out just ask him let him show you and just faithfully follow trust and the third thing is obedience i think that's the 
third thing that I had to learn throughout these 10 years, full out obedience. God's telling you to do something, do it. If God's trying to show you something, listen. But obey his truth. Not just suggest it, not just think it, obey it. <coughs> and I would say number four is to acknowledge his presence in your life. One of the key things that I learned a lot throughout all these years, even in high school, was trusting in him means giving everything to him. That means stop trying to make things happen the way you want it to happen for yourself. Starting to allow and obeying, obeying him, trusting him, and loving on him, putting him first in your life means giving everything that you hold dear to yourself and you hand it to him and let him have it. Because when you do, and he can do more and he'll give you a desire in your heart. That's something that some people do struggle with. I don't really have a desire because you haven't really given everything to him. And it's not salvation because you accept Christ and you can be following as a Christian and doing what you're supposed to be doing and living, you know, a godly life. But have you give him, given him every aspect of your life or do you hold on to certain things so that you can have control over them or God doesn't really care about that. That's not true. God does care. Is one, he'll cleanse you. Two, he'll remove things that shouldn't be there. Even if they are good things, he may remove them because it's not what he wants you to focus on. And then three, he'll show you the path. Okay. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in him with all your heart. And he will show you the path or like I think King James Version's paths. Okay. So sometimes we may have more than one path that we need to get on before he gets us to somewhere where he needs to be. Because you remember, going through the dark valley, remember I said of being a veteran, you went in there like a green soldier who hardly knew anything, and you're going to leave out there a veteran. Because he needed you to have the scars, the, the battle wounds. He needed you to have the understanding. He needed you to put you in the frontline battles so that you have a better understanding how to reach out and impact people. It doesn't matter if you're going to be a pastor or not. You and I are always going to be in the frontline battles. There's other men out there that need our, our mentorship, that need our friendship, that need our commitment, they need our tr our trust, our friend, you know, trusting in a friend. They need to they need our prayers. They need to know other men are out there fighting the same battle, struggling the same way, and they need to get back on their feet again. That's why I mean I think I even talked about in the beginning of this the series of Warrior Within. A lot of times men are walking around in these dark shadows of, of their life and they don't feel like any other men are struggling. That's why I've been encouraging you men to wake up, pay attention, and mentor. Notice other men. Get get beside them. And they'll help you too because it'll challenge you. It'll help you to grow and it'll help you to learn. Because if you feel like you're not, well, I'm not very good at it, well, it doesn't matter. You can learn from it. Because as you're trying to help someone else or encourage someone else or mentor someone else or counsel someone else, it helps you to study up and learn better yourself. And you have a better understanding of truth, which is the whole point of this. You know, you want to be a good warrior of God. You want to be a warrior that stands on his two feet. It starts with knowing and understanding who God is, and delighting in him, loving him, putting him first, obeying his word. I ask that you take this challenge. And I'm glad I was able to share this testimony with you guys. And now I'm where I'm at right now. You know, I'm still waiting patiently for the next stage of this to happen. And I'm excited. But I can see why God had me go through what I went through to get to this point. Ten years later. Times where I wish I, I didn't have to go through it. But I understand why I had to for him to be able to mold me into the man he needed me to be. Uh, let's take this moment in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I ask that you work in any of these men and maybe in women that are listening to this that may be going through struggles and going through their dark valley and just feel like there's no hope, no chance, not, no, like God doesn't love me, he doesn't care about me. Look at them, I'm still miserable as can be. And sometimes we got to understand is that through these miseries, God may be trying to mold us into something that we need to be. That includes even things that we've gone through using as a child or uh, high school that as evil things have been done to us, you got to understand that 
you have a plan to use that evil for good. So I ask, Lord, that you move the men today, that they stop looking at the misery of their life and the choices that they weren't able to get to where they wanted. Start asking you, what is it that you want them to do? That you put your desires in their hearts so that they seek his or I say your will in their life. Open these doors for them. Let them see how they could be used, that that their testimonies, their experiences will have value for someone else who may be struggling. I ask that we start seeing men step up, be warriors, be veterans, and, and mentor, encourage, and counsel other men, and not be fearful of this, because as they help other men grow, it helps them grow too. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me and for my wife and for this open door. I pray blessing on it. I pray that you continue open doors, that you make things just come together. You know that we want a house. You know, this would be our first house that we would ever have. Um, I pray that you would open that door. I pray that you also open door for us to get a truck that we need. Um, and then to Lord, that you start opening up relationships for us. We, we long for friendships, but we also long to other people and open up these doors as we move forward i thank you lord for your peace i thank you lord for your love for us i I thank you for uh putting your commitment in us and seeing us grow into the men and even the women they're listening of god that you want us to be praise in jesus name amen thank you guys for listening hope this will be an encouragement i hope that you can see how you Maybe going through a valley because God has a plan for you. Now it's your turn to ask. Ask him what is it that you want him to do? Or what ask him what you want, what he wants you to be doing. Just ask. God bless.